get out on time so we can be ready for the next crew uh, that's coming in. Uh, this morning, uh, I want to continue our series called Mighty, and uh, we're going to do that. I think it's going to be powerful. I think it's going to be mighty in our lives. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a neighborhood uh, that most people would consider pretty safe uh, and pretty uh, ordinary, if you will. And uh, it was a neighborhood that, um, you know, like any other neighborhood, I think I've seen some things going around the internet lately, like if, if you grew up in the 70s and early 80s, you were the last generation to like play in the street and stay out, you know, until the lights ca- street lights came on. How many of that was your rule in your neighborhood? You stay out until the street lights came on, or you were commanded to stay away until the street lights came on? Uh, maybe that's how it worked for you uh, and your family. Um, but there are some things that happened in my life and even in my neighborhood that as much as my neighborhood was considered safe would give you the impression that it wasn't necessarily safe all the time. And here's the truth. As we mourn the America, the safe, the decent America that's crumbling around us, we, we have to recognize something. We can't spend too much time mourning it for two reasons. One, it wasn't as safe as you think it was. It's not as safe as you remember. I, I'm, I'm talking to people who have lived life, and I'm not saying where you come from right now or where you're at right now is, is completely unique because I think most of us, even in those safe places, we're not safe. We have, we, we have stories that we could tell, you know, maybe even things we've never told anybody about stuff that happened in those places. It's just we're living in an age where it's out there in the open, right? But also, if we spend too much time mourning what we think we've lost, which isn't really what we've lost anyway, what we also are is we're not good for what God's leading us to in the future, right? We're longing for something that was past when God's saying, I want to take you right now with all the gifts and even the brokenness that you have, and I want to mend that, I want to repair that, I want to bring my gospel to you, and I want to show you how to build a future. I want you to, if we spend time mourning, we're not dreaming about what could be in God in the future. Because I think God wants to bring us to a place of safety. He wants to bring us to a place of righteousness. He's looking for the earth to reflect his glory and reflect his nature and to be a place where people are safe and people are, are, are cared for and people are provided for. That's his, his call on the earth. That's why he called the people of Israel to be his own people. This is what it looks like to be in relationship with me. This is what it looks like for you to succeed in the earth, to live out the calling that God has given to subdue the earth and rule over it. And so this morning I want to talk about that, but I want to tell you a story real quick how my life wasn't that safe. Just a real, it's not that big of a deal, but here's the story. I don't want to highlight what happened. I want to highlight what, 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 what was done about it. Uh, when I was nine or ten years old, we, we started to have like these ever-increasing circles of, of wandering, right? Like, do you remember that? Like, when you first grew up, like, you could play in your yard, then you could play with the neighbor, then you could go to the, you know, the convenience store down the street. I remember being able to, like, I went with my friend across the busy street to where he got a haircut. Um, I remember, uh, you know, being able to go a little bit further to maybe a bakery or something. I remember one day we went, you know, like, maybe five or six blocks past that, and we were going to an, a, a drugstore. I think we were going for Garbage Pail Kids. I don't know if anybody remembers the collectible cards called Garbage Pail Kids. We heard that, that, that this, that this uh, store had them and we were going for them. And we were in a place that we had never been before. And I remember we, we, we crossed in front of a business. We lived in a, reg, uh, you know, a neighborhood, but on the busy street, there were kind of those businesses that were all stacked up. And we walked past one and then this kid came running around from it. He's like, hey, you. And he started, we were just walking and we just saw him and ignored him because we, we didn't know him. We didn't know what was going on. And we just kept walking. Then all of a sudden we hear him chasing us. And I turn around to see him wind up and just give my friend the swiftest kick in the butt I've ever seen. I mean, just like, like I mean, he threw, he threw my friend a couple feet or many feet in the kick. 
And I, I don't really remember what happened. The point is not exactly what happened. I don't think we ended up getting to the store. We just ran away back to our homes. But here's the thing. That guy who picked on my friend and me, and I wasn't even the one being, being hurt, but the guy that picked on uh, my friend and me didn't understand that my f- best friend who was with me, who got kicked, father was a police officer in that town. And so when we came home and we told his family what happened, I don't remember how it exactly happened, but I do remember his dad coming back in a police car with this kid to my friend's house. And I, rem- I, I, don't, I don't know how it all ended up, but here's what I do know. Because of who we knew, because of who he was, my friend, and whose he was, my friend's dad was willing to take on his authority and exercise it on behalf of my friend. And I want to talk about that this morning because I believe that that's what God has called us as the people of God to do. Uh, and, and we're talking through this series called Mighty, and here's the, the thesis of this series, that God's mighty people, using God's mighty weapons, see mighty advancement for the kingdom of God. Our weapons are not carnal, right? We don't fight the world's wars. We're not in the way the world does. We're not here to get in physical fist fights with people, although sometimes that's necessary, right, to defend people, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty, and they're mighty to pull down strongholds. They're mighty to get in the way of, and destroy, not just get in the way of, but to destroy every argument, every pretense, every thought in our hearts and lives that sets itself up against people knowing God. Last week we talked about how God says that we're mighty. Because of who he is and because we belong to him, we are mighty. This week I want to talk about how the mighty are called to fight. And if we're going to talk about that, I want to talk about it in terms of what Jesus did on our behalf. Jesus used his might on our behalf. Jesus fought on our behalf. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. What, what is that scripture highlighting? Listen, if you're mighty and you're strong, you don't go and submit yourself to death on a cross. That doesn't make sense. No other God does that. No other God in, in human minds that are thought up goes and gives himself on behalf, who empties himself of all of his power and submits himself to the cross. But what Jesus did in submitting himself to the cross on your behalf, on my behalf, was the most powerful thing in the universe to declare death to sin, death to destruction, and not only death to those things, but life to us. And life to the world to redeem it. And so Jesus came and he fought on our behalf. He used his might and his power on our behalf. And he did it in a very different way. Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 8 says this. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus gave up everything to exercise his might on our behalf. And Jesus was willing to suffer on our behalf so that we could know his power personally. Jesus was willing to engage in a fight contrary even to what he, who he was completely in his power. He was willing to submit himself to being called a criminal and not just labeled a criminal but killed as a criminal to exercise his power in weakness on our behalf to see his power fully realized in our lives. 
This has been the case all throughout the history of God's dealing with people because that's who God is. He is always mighty for his people. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 13, the people of Israel have just been freed from the oppression of the, of the Egyptians. They, they, they left Egypt, but then Egypt chased after them. And as they came up to the Red Sea, as they were pinned between an army and the sea, God opened the sea up. They went through on the dry land, and then the army chased them, and God caused the waters to come back and destroy the entire army of Pharaoh, completely wipe it out. And the people were singing a song of praise to their God. They were recognizing what God had done for them. And in verse uh, 13 of chapter 15, here's what they said. With your unfailing love, you lead your people that you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. God is willing to use might on our behalf to bring us home to him, to bring us to a place of safety and abundance and rest and thriving. And he does that because of his unfailing love for us. Anytime he exercises might on our behalf, it is not to prove himself mighty. It's his divine love in action. And if we're going to engage in the fight like God has called us to engage in, it's got to be driven by the love that we have for God and what we have for other people because his might on our behalf is driven by his love. And so I want to talk about that just briefly this morning because we have a part in this. The goal was to bring his people home into his goodness, but it wasn't just that God was going to accomplish this all by himself. He has to accomplish it with the people that will walk with him. And so let's talk about our part in this. Turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. This is where we're going to land this morning. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to specifically look at verses 14 and 15, but here's the setup. The people of Israel have wandered for 40 years in the desert. They were delivered from Israel or from Egypt, and then Egypt had to be delivered from them. It had to be pulled out of them, and God is bringing them into the land. And as we get to this part in Scripture, what we have to understand is the land that God is bringing them into is on one side of the Jordan. It's on the, on the west side of the Jordan. But the people are on the east side of the Jordan at this point. And what has happened up until this point, it's a, it's a long story, it's worth looking at, but there are two, two of the tribes and a half-tribe have decided that they would like to stay on the west side of the Jordan. In other words, they, they, they actually say, like, we, we look at what's around here, we see what, that it's going to be good land for us. We don't want to go over the Jordan River and conquer the land and actually possess the land that God has given us. We'd actually like this land. And Moses kind of flips out on him at one point. He's like, listen, this was the problem when we came to land the first time. The people, the spies said they didn't think that we could take the land. Are you chickening, chickening out right now? And they said, no, 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 we're not chickening out. We will go with you. We will fight with you. We just want you to give us this land. And so Moses said, go ahead. Like, just stay here, stay in this land. But promise that when we get to the promised land, you will come with us and fight with us for what God has promised us. And so we get to this point where they're about to go into the land. And in Joshua chapter 1, verses 14 and 15... Joshua is telling the people, get ready, we're going to go into this land. He says to the, to the men of the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, your wives, your children, and your livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land that the Lord your God is giving them. And only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, assigned 
to you. God, show us from the scripture today where you have called us to use the might that you have given us to fight the battles that you've called us to fight on behalf of others. In Jesus' name. So Moses gives them instructions. He says, hey, listen, remember the promise that you made when I told you that you could stay in this land? Listen, these people had set up their homes. They had, the, the Bible says they had built walled cities. They had built pens for their animals. Everybody was settled and good. But he said, listen, you've got to leave all of this goodness and you've got to do what you promised to do. Come with us. Not only come with us. He says, take your might. All of your mighty warriors need to lead us across couple things that I want us to understand from the scripture this morning because I think it's so important for us. First is this, there is a place of rest for every person. In Jesus Christ, there is a place of ceasing of striving where God brings us by his power into a place we do not deserve. How many of you know that we don't deserve heaven? We don't deserve freedom from sin. We have chosen to reject the Lord and in his goodness he says, listen, I'm gonna bring you to a place you didn't earn or deserve You're going to have to walk with me to get it, but understand, I've already got it for you. I have won it for you. Aren't you glad for his mercy and his grace that you and I could not earn? Because it's so much better than what we could earn for ourselves. We spend our lives scratching and fighting and trying to carve out a place of rest for ourselves, and God says there is rest in me. Each one of us, because we belong to the Lord, because we're the people of the Lord, just like the people of Israel, we have a place assigned to us. It's a place of rest. It's a place of abundance. It's a place of territory that the Lord has won for us. And the first place of territory that he has won for you and he has won for me is a place of salvation and freedom from sin in Jesus Christ. And he's asking us to walk with him into that place. But here's the thing. We understand this, that the mighty are not mighty because of what they have but because of who they, whose they are and who they are. It wasn't that the mighty warriors of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were mighty because they had land on the, on the east side of the river. They were mighty because they belonged to God. They were mighty because they were who God said they were. You and I are mighty. We have a place of rest and a place of power, not because we are some kind of spiritual badasses. There was one spiritual, I don't even know if I can say that, that's probably... There's one spiritual really bad dude in a good way. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus Christ. But because we belong to God, because he who is who he says he is, we are mighty in him. We are strong in him. We are, we are the mighty warriors that God has called into the earth. Every single one of us, whether you think you are or not, in Jesus Christ, you have mighty weapons in your hand, at your disposal, that will help other people come to their place of rest. Just because God has declared and given it to us does not mean that we possess it. There is an obedience factor. So the first point is this. There's a place of rest for each one of us. The second is there's always a battle. There is always a battle. Our willingness to be in the battle does not matter. We are in it. The minute that you wake up and even while you're sleeping, you are in a battle for your soul. You are in a battle for that place of rest for you and for the people around you. And if you ignore it, you can continue to ignore it, but the truth is this, you're still in it. But our victory in the battle, our ability... Let's see if I can make that stop happening. Our ability and our willingness to engage in the battle matters. It matters whether or not we see that place of rest for ourselves and for others around us. And it's very important that we understand and we know where the battle is and where it isn't. 
It's so important that we understand where is the battle that God has called us to and where it isn't. Because otherwise we will give ourselves to battles that do not matter. In fact, the Israelites, as they were coming into the land, there were some, there were some lands that they avoided. This wasn't, they, they, they knew we could go in, we could conquer, but this is not our land. They, they wanted to go through Edom, and the king said no, and so they said no problem. They wanted to go through other lands. Um, uh, they wanted to go through other lands, and they said, hey, can we go through? And the leader said no, but then they came out and attacked the Israelites. So the land of Amor, the Amorites, and the, the land of Og, they asked, after asking to pass through, the enemy came and attacked them. Those weren't the battles that God had called them to, but they had to fight them because the enemy was coming after them. So understand, there are battles that, that the enemy's trying to goad you into. Come on, fight, come on, fight, come on, fight, let's go. He's picking a fight with you. Have you ever gotten a fight that wasn't a good fight to get into? Because you just weren't man enough to walk away? Right, they were coming after your identity in some way, shape, or form, and you're like, oh no, this ain't happening, this is where I take my stand, and the Lord never told you to take a stand there? Because you don't have to fight for your pride. That's not a battle God's asked you to fight for. And so the enemy would love to pick fights for us to keep us away from the battle that really is the Lord's. Often the enemy will goad us into a battle to distract us from the real fight. What was the real fight? The real fight was possessing the land that God had called them to. The land of rest, the land where they would be fully cared for. And so the enemy will use tactics like he did with Moab, he, with one nation, the Moabites and the Midianites. He said, okay, we're not going to fight them like straight up because we can't defeat them militarily. We're just going to seduce them with our women. And that's what they did. The Israelites gave themselves, they defiled themselves with the women of these nations, with sexual relations, and they were pulled off of their purpose. The whole point of this is this, possessing or... Um, when we, can't, when we fight in the natural and we don't fight with the supernatural, we don't fight in the places that God has called us to, we end up fighting battles that we have not been called to fight. Possessing our land could seem like the fight. right? Sometimes we fight for stuff that God hasn't given us. The people of Gad and the people of Reuben, the half-tribe of Manasseh, they could have stayed on the other side and said, no, we fought for what was ours. But guess what? God never even gave that to them. It's very interesting that the distinction in the scripture is come and fight for the land, come and fight with us for the land that God gave us, and then you can go back and settle in the land that Moses gave you. Isn't that interesting? See, sometimes we're willing to settle for what we can possess. And then not only that, we're not even willing to go and fight for what God wants other people to have. And so we stop short of the fullness of God's goodness in our lives because we settle. Sometimes we come up short. We must be willing to continue in the fight until everyone is the place in their place of their calling, till everyone has been brought to the kingdom. And the fight's not over when people enter the kingdom. The Israelites, once they got to the land and they conquered it, they didn't continue the fight. They just settled down and they got lazy. And it cost them. Because then they started worshiping other gods. And they didn't, they didn't drive the inhabitants of the land completely out. They left a little bit. Well, we got enough to just get by. We got enough to be comfortable. We've, listen, we are in a nation right now that has a, a church that has gotten comfortable. We've got enough. We meet together on Sundays. We like it. And we're not fighting for those who have not entered into the rest in Jesus. And God is calling us as the mighty people to wake up. And to understand that we are in, engaged in a battle. And it's not just a battle for us. It's not just a battle for me and mine and my family. We've got to engage in this battle for a lost world. And the battle's not over till they're brought in. Because we owe our fight to, uh, to others. The last point this morning. We owe our fight to others. But remember, our fight is different. Our fight is not carnal. 
We don't fight with flesh and blood. This is a fight, a kingdom fight for kingdom purposes. So how did the people of Israel fight? Can you like, picture it in your mind? Moses or Joshua says, listen, we're going over. Everybody get together. We're going to fight together. All, the, all of you warriors lead us over. And they're all ready like, yeah, we're the mighty warriors. They lead the people over. And then Joshua's like, oh, okay, here's what God said. We're going to march around a city in silence while our, while our priests worship the Lord. And then at the very last day, we're going to shout. And that's what God's plan is. What? Wait, I got my sword sharpened. I got my armor ready. I, I, I'm, I'm, a mighty, I'm, a, I'm ready to rip some bad dudes up so that you, you, you brought me over here to do what? Listen, as believers, where's our fight? Our fight is with the enemy, and the weapons that we have are not carnal weapons. We are called to be people of prayer, to be people of worship, to be people of obedience, that we don't do things the way the enemy does. We do them the way God has asked us to, just like Jesus did. He didn't come into the world and say, I'm the king, because he is the king. He was the king. He always is going to be the king, but he didn't come in and say, I'm the king. Worship me. He came in and humbled himself and lived a life of obedience and submitted himself to death from a pagan government and religious people and died on a cross to win the battle for you and me because he knew that he loved us enough to give us his fight. So here's the question for each one of us today. Who are you called to fight for today and this week? Where are you not engaged in a fight because it's, you're good, you're comfortable, you got what you need. Where are you called to fight? Where's the fight, really and truly? Step on toes. Is this a fight for America or is this a fight for the kingdom? I think America's having some hard times right now, but are we going to choose to fight for America or are we going to choose to fight for the kingdom? Because a, a nation is transformed as people's hearts are transformed and reconciled to Jesus. I'm not saying we don't fight in some areas. We don't take a stand, but what I am saying is who is our primary fight with and how are we going to engage in it today? Are we going to get on our knees and cry out to God for a revival that our nation needs? And what kind of fight are you going to get into today? Bow your heads with me because we're going to end our service right now with, with communion. Did you guys get communion coming in? All right, great. We're going to recognize the fight that he fought for us. Just to make it easy, it's, it's easiest if you pull the clear part off first, take out the bread, and then open the juice. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread and broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He gave himself in a fight for us to win freedom and healing and salvation. And then he took the br- cup after supper in the same way. He said, this cup represents a new covenant established in my blood. Do this as often as you do this to remember me. He knew where the fight was. He knew which fight was most important. He knew that a sacrifice of his body and of his blood would win the battle once and for all. And so Jesus, we come to you humbly. We thank you that you have brought us in. We thank you that you have set us free. We thank you that you gave your body and your blood for us. You were willing to sacrifice your might on our behalf so that we could have rest in you. We could come to salvation and freedom in you. And Lord, we thank you that the battle has not been finished, but it's finished in you, and that we we can walk with you in victory as we recognize what you did, but we can also include it 
for others. We can invite others into this victory as well. God, we thank you. Jesus, we proclaim your death and your resurrection until you come again as we eat the bread, drink the cup this morning. In Jesus' name. Let's eat and drink together. Would you stand this morning? I don't want to rush past this. I know we're right at time, but I don't want to rush past this. Let me ask you today, because of what God has done for you, what are you willing to do to walk with him for somebody else? Literally stop right now and say, God, as much freedom as you've given me, as much kingdom as you've given me, as much might as you've given me, I recognize those things are not from me and they're not for me. And so God, where would you like me to fight today? And how do you want me to fight? As the Lord shows you a person or a place, I want you to to ask the Lord, how do you want me to fight here? Do you want me to pray? Do you want me to share the word? Do you want me to love? Do you want me to serve? Do you want me to lay my life down? How do you want me to fight? Show me God today, I pray. Father, I bless your people this morning as we stand before you. We thank you for all that you have done for us and all that you will do in us and through us. We give ourselves to your kingdom purposes to be kingdom people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Just a couple of announcements before you go. Giving is in the back. You can do that digitally as well. Our Thanksgiving Eve service will be canceled because of uh, the amount of people that it will take to get that going and how many we can do, and so we're just going to worship the Lord. Be thankful to the Lord. The Thanksgiving holiday is not thankfulness and gratefulness to nobody. It's thankfulness and gratefulness to the Lord who has provided for us. Celebrate with joy what God is doing. We will let you know if things change in terms of our schedule. Thank you for being here this morning and flowing with us. I bless you today in the name of Jesus to walk in his power as mighty men and women of God. God bless you.